Alice Onlin and Herbert Konings are founding partners of Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. time for another episode of the security token show and welcome welcome back to those of you returning to the show and hello to our new listeners i'm herwig konings and with me as always is my co-host kyle sondland and if you didn't know this is not an interview podcast we actually are a weekly podcast we do this you know to cover last week's industry news kyle's going to give you the latest security token offerings and market updates and then we'll get into our main topic of the show which this week we'll be covering the different types of real estate tokens that you might start to see appearing around you i'm ready for another episode herwig i really am so happy to be back episode 58 which is really exciting but we can't do that anything before starting off with our companies of the week, where we detail all of the biggest movers in the industry and the one that caught each of our eyes. So for this week, Herwig, who did you pick for your company of the week? Well, my company of the week, I think, is probably no surprise for our listeners who are very involved in the space. At least I have to give the award out, of course, to Archax for becoming the first regulated security token exchange in the United Kingdom. So the team at Archax has been working hard with the FCA regulators to work towards this license to now be able to trade digital securities. And it marks the start of secondary markets for security tokens in the UK. So Graham Rodford, who's the CEO, says they have over 35 digital issuance projects in the pipeline. Love the sound of that. So I think we can definitely expect some listing announcements very soon on that. And as David Lester, the former chief strategy officer of the London Stock Exchange Group and an advisor and non-executive director at Archax, says in the press release, quote, in the current global economic climate, providing new efficient ways for small and medium-sized businesses to access capital is key. Blockchain and tokenization are innovations that can empower more frictionless and transparent markets, which combined with an FCA regulated exchange like Archax can deliver what capital providers, business lender, leaders, and founders now really need. The launch of the Archax exchange will help bring the institutional and digital asset communities closer together and open up a new era for the global financial market space. Well said, and for that, absolutely, you win my company of the week, Archax. What are your thoughts, Kyle? Very exciting stuff here. We've seen a lot of European issuers complete the fundraising process or explore tokenization, but in Europe especially, there has been a need for a secondary market that was regulated, that was cleared, and was looking to onboard additional assets. We really hadn't seen anyone step up to the plate and actually get those approvals and take the lead here. And so it's very, very exciting to see that Archax is stepping into that spot and completing the final piece of the life cycle that's needed and necessary for the advent of security tokens. Now they can go live. They're a great team over there. I'm expecting big things. But Kyle, what about you? Who caught your eye? So if you've been listening to the show, you may be familiar with the upcoming security token exchange, INX. The company announced months ago that they were planning an IPO to raise up to $130 million to build the exchange. I actually think they filed their initial public offering prospectus over a year ago. And so the project has some really big names on its founding team and advisory board, including over a dozen executives 
with 20 plus years experience in legacy finance, as well as Mark Yusko from Morgan Creek, Bitcoin developer Jameson Lop, and many other tech and IT professionals on top of, again, all of the legacy people from the business. And so INX earns my company of the week for their official announcement of the INX security token. Starting Tuesday, August 25th, INX will be fundraising up to 117 million through a public security token offering for retail investors. And they now publish their official prospectus for their fundraise and operations that was fully approved by the SEC, which means they will be allowing retail investors to invest from anywhere in the world. Wow. And so this is very exciting because we did know that INX was going to be fundraising and going to be going live with a security token exchange, but now we've confirmed that they're doing a security token offering. And I think the biggest thing here is that it was approved by the SEC for them to do this, not only again, to do security token trading, but to raise via a security token SEC approved. And so Chief Marketing Officer for INX, Douglas Borthwick mentioned, quote, we are very excited to finally see our vision come to fruition. A security token that fulfills regulatory needs while allowing access to everybody. More access means more liquidity and that's great for everyone in this space. And so I think that quote's very true. INX is now explicitly approved by the SEC to launch their security token offering. But on top of that, they helped the SEC understand and approve the security token offering and how it's tremendous for everyone in the space worldwide, regardless of the industry or competitive vertical. So it's very important that we're all working together to build this industry forward instead of competing over the same niches and wasting resources. So it's very exciting times ahead. Congratulations to INX. I'm gonna be breaking that down in even more detail later in the episode. Looking forward to that. That's indeed a big deal. Like you said, it's a registered offering. That's two registered offerings now, the ARCA funds being the other one that are now available to retail investors. And by the way, fun fact that that's TokenSoft, the, the firm behind both of those offerings. So there's an interesting trend there. Uh, but yeah, really great. Looking forward to hearing more on that, Kyle. It's really good stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Who doesn't want more exchanges, right? Two exchanges, two company of the week, the more liquidity, the better. And with that, Herwig, I think we should jump right into the industry news. Let's do that. But as always, for those of you who are new listeners, you should know all the news and updates we cover on the show, they're sourced from stomarket.com slash news. And they're also available for reference in the about description of the podcast itself from where you're listening. Or of course, always on the Security Token Show Medium blog, if you ever want to dig deeper into any of the articles that we're talking about here. And so jumping into it, starting off the news is China, which has been testing its digital yuan or central bank digital currency, which is you know created by the People's Bank of China. And they've been working on that since April. So the service will now be rolling out soon in Hong Kong as well. On uh, a report from a Chinese news source, Global Times on Monday had said that a house sale had been conducted in a major city of Shenzhen. However, the People's Bank of China has clarified it is only focused on small retail transactions and not currently trialing property sales. So who knows what's going on here? Maybe folks are trying to take advantage of it in their own way or that was just a hoax. But what is clear is that China is leading the CBDC charge here. We can probably expect this digital yuan to be across the entire country well by the end of the year, evolving maybe China's financial ecosystem into what probably could be the most advanced in the world at that point. So 
keep an eye on that. But over in Estonia, Coin Metro and Ignium, they've teamed up to launch the Coin Metro Security Token Exchange. Another one. The platform allows both retail and institutional investors to purchase digital bonds, convertibles, and equities in established companies and startups that are raising funds. The launch of the marketplace has been made possible through a regulatory sandbox created by the Capital Markets Authority of Montenegro. So they're authorizing them to facilitate the secondary trading, of course. So Ignium provides the custody, issuance, and settlement system, while CoinMetro hosts the marketplace. So the platform claims to be the first end-to-end digital securities exchange in Europe. It's even worth pointing out that the CMA is really, really behind this. Like, here's a quote from Zoran Djokanovic, who's the president of the Capital Markets Authority of Montenegro. And he says, quote, the CMA of Montenegro has been trying to innovate for a couple of years now. And we found we were on the same page with Ignium and CoinMetro on how we believe regulations should be designed and implemented. This is why we've partnered within the sandbox. We believe that we need a new approach in investing for the young population that is taking over. So that's pretty major stuff. Definitely forward thinking from the CMA of Montenegro there. And we'll, we'll be looking out for, of course, tokens listed on the CoinMetro platform in the future. And Ava Labs' Avalanche has launched the Everest Testnet, allowing for the development of decentralized finance apps, DeFi apps, that's right. You know, Avalanche is now moving well towards into DeFi with Kevin Segnagigi from Ava Labs stating, quote, Everest showcases the best of Avalanche and marks the next step toward a new era of decentralized finance defined by velocity, efficient use of capital, and innovation in new products and services from around the world. And the company also told Omar Faridi from Crowdfund Insider that, quote, since existing in stealth mode last year, Avalanche has completed and publicly released three test networks, has attracted contributions from a large pool of developers, and has been awarded significant grants for engineers to build infrastructure and applications through its accelerator, which includes integrations with firms like Chainlink, Polyant, and Taurus. So, you know, let's see if DeFi community here starts to build on Everest. And congrats, of course, to Avalanche uh, team for building that out and launching that. And crowdfunding portal Upstart out of Italy, OP at Start, uh, has partnered with Seed Venture, which is an issuance platform that will be tokenizing the crowdfunding offerings on Upstart. So Seed Venture uses the Ethereum blockchain for its smart contract tokenization solutions. There isn't much more to this announcement other than, of course, we can only expect some STOs from Italy now, hopefully really, really soon. And moving into our resources uh, and op-ed section here, we've got articles from actually my co-founder, Adrian InvestReady, or Adrian uh, from InvestReady. Uh, by the way, that's an investor accreditation software company that I founded in 2013 before Security Token Group. And it's worth mentioning that there's a big hearing tomorrow, Wednesday the 26th, where the SEC is discussing the accredited investor definition. So this definition basically qualifies who can invest in private companies that aren't using a regulation crowdfunding campaign or doing a registered public offering like INX. So the definition here that you need to know is it's a million dollars in net worth, not including your primary residence as assets, right? And then two hundred or $200,000 in annual income for at least two years. So as you can already put together, this is very restrictive to about the top 10% of Americans. We do talk about this extensively in episode 24 uh, of the show, but the point is nothing has really changed and maybe it's time to perhaps consider alternative criteria, right? Like maybe having an investment banking license. That's right, actually. What I'm telling you is you can be an investment banker 
not earn enough, and therefore not be allowed to do private securities transactions yourself as an accredited investor, even though that might be the very nature of your day job, facilitating private securities. So, you know, kind of backwards, Adrian did some research on what other countries around the world are doing, and it's because we do verify international investors as well. And I think it's worth kind of a good read if you're interested in this topic. You know, my, my favorite personally was seen in New Zealand and the UK, which uses a minimum investment threshold to qualify. So the SEC could maybe copy this and say, for example, institute that if you invest at least $100,000 in a single deal, you qualify for that deal as accredited. So we'll be sure to, of course, debrief this SEC meeting for you on next week's show. And Ian Fong, the head of marketing at Propine, a Singapore-based issuance platform, launched an interview series kicking off with the fund manager behind Eternal Glade, the first ever tokenized fund listed on iStocks. It's an awesome interview, I think. My favorite part is when Edison Chen, the founder of Eternal Glade, says, quote, while some may say that there are not investors enough to ensure 100% liquidity, tokenization allows you the opportunity to sell through a platform. I always believe that whether your shares will sell or not really depends on the right price. And you know, I really want that to sink in because that's the real value, folks, unlocking the ability to create liquidity digitally. That's what tokens do, not actually create the liquidity themselves, but of course the ability to facilitate it digitally. So well said and a great interview there. And Sonata Capital also released a great piece on Medium about tokenizing loans. They make a case as to why this will be a mega trend, so go check out that if you agree. And I want to give a shout out to Eleanor, an active community member on STM that submitted an article last week about how banking the unbanked will create the next big investment opportunity. You can go read that on Finnovate. Really worth recommend, you know, recommend reading that. And the last, but of course not least, is an article by Donna Rettel on Coindesk. And for those of you who don't know, she's a wonderful person, extremely knowledgeable in capital markets and crypto as well, especially given her background. She was the former chairman of the Comex, a board member of the New York Angels Group, and an adjunct professor of law at Fordham Law School. So, you know, she's singing the same tune that I was on the show last week, Kyle. She says, watch out DeFi. This is just like ICOs and nothing has proven that DeFi is legitimate. She, of course, says it is a much more eloquent way in her article, but uh, you know the reality is, is the SEC could still step in on DeFi. So especially for you U.S. security token companies that are kind of moving towards this, you know, be careful. And that's it. That's all I have for news last week. Kyle, what do you got for us virtual events-wise coming up? Well, we had a bunch of virtual events over the past couple of weeks. So unfortunately, we only have one today, um, and it's actually today, Tuesday, August 25th from 9 to 10 a.m. So unfortunately, if you're listening to this episode, you may have missed it. However, it was the Secure Infrastructure for Digital Assets panel hosted by executives from, or Disrupt Network, excuse me, is hosting this event and it featured executives from the Frankfurt School of Business Center, uh, Blockchain Center, Medico, Custodigit, Curve, and GK8. So we have had a lot of Zoom calls and they do seem to pop up in bunches. So look out for, for next week's episode and I'm sure we'll have a few more. Hopefully, you know, since a bunch just happened, maybe some of them release that content post, post event so we can check it out at any time. We'll definitely try to keep you in the loop if that happens. But, Absolutely. Uh, that's that's the case, Kyle. Let's jump right into the latest security token offering news. What's going on? Absolutely. So I spent some time digging through the INX prospectus, which is that public offering document that they filed 
to the SEC that was approved that allows for their public offering. And technically, it's the same as an IPO in the sense that they will be accepting retail US and retail international investors for this offering. And on top of that, there is no lockup period for this token since they are a publicly reporting company. So once the fundraise is completed, the tokens will be issued to investors and technically will be available for sale on the market. I say technically because the only caveat here is that the exchange itself still needs to be built post fundraise completion. So only time will tell about how that liquidity will happen and it, you may need to wait until at least the, the tech is built. But as I said, they are essentially filing as a public company and so they will need to do the exact same disclosures you may be used to in the stock market or other situations where they're doing quarterly updates on how their performance is. And so when we dig into some of the other details, we can confirm that the company is raising up to 117 million with approximately 47 million going towards the development of their platform. The goal here is to have a crypto and security token exchange so that you can buy Bitcoin or Ethereum or some of these other tokens with cash and also have a direct option to purchase security tokens on the platform. So with this 47, that's what they're using to build this whole platform which leads, leaves 70 million in total unmarked cash so far in the prospectus. According to the documentation, which I, I tried to read and skim through as much as I could, the extra 70 million is literally a cash cushion. It doesn't seem that there's really a complete plan for this money yet, and it's likely going to be used for many of the associated fees with launching a regulated exchange. On top of that, they're actually planning on providing staking opportunities for the INX token in addition to market making services on the platform, which will clearly require a treasury to provide the cash needed for initial interest and liquidity. The goal here is to appeal to institutional investors who may have an aggressive upfront demand for the INX swaps and they need to have that cash available to prevent massive slippage in the market. This breakdown is described in much more detail in the prospectus, but to sum it up, it seems like the soft cap is going to be around 10 million. And after the first 25 million that's needed to build the exchange, any additional capital they raise will be split 70-30 between this treasury fund and additional operational costs. Each INX token itself is a, it will entitle holders to participate in the distributions of 40% of the company's cumulative cash flow from its activities, excluding cash compensation from the IPO. Essentially, just means a revenue share. So the tokens will be selling for 90 cents per share, and the minimum investment is gonna be $1,000. They're gonna issue it on the Ethereum blockchain, and as Herbig mentioned, they are using TokenSoft for the issuance. There is a much more detail in the prospectus, as I mentioned, but I do have a few takeaways as well to highlight. The first one, when we're looking at the token itself, we see that it entitles 40% of what they call the operating cash flows for the business. And that essentially translates to 40% of the revenue that the business pulls in. And so this number is incredibly high and friendly for investors. When we look at T0, which also offers a revenue sharing token, they offer what they say is up to 10% of the firm's gross revenue. Another interesting mechanic for the INX token is that they do plan to offer utility token services as well. As I mentioned with the INX token planning to be used similarly to the Binance BNB token in terms of providing trading pairs or powering trading pairs at a discounted price, as well as allowing for the staking of the token for interest, presumably for market making purposes. 
T-Zero also raised over $100 million to build out their exchange, so the fundraise amount doesn't necessarily seem excessive to me, despite my personal skepticism over the $70 million cash fund. While it's important to have a cushion and cash available in case anything goes wrong, I personally feel it's a little interesting uh, to have over 50% of your total fundraise in treasury um, with not a significant and detailed plan about how those market making or how that cushion might be needed. Uh, maybe they de declare that even more in the risk assessment association in the prospectus. But again, it's just such a big document. Sometimes it's difficult to internalize it all. It's either that or they have legal tech or acquisition fees that they can't publicly disclose that they're still working through. So we're just going to have to see how this plans out and how much they actually raise because certainly maybe they're, they're trying to, they're not expecting to raise all 117 and they'll decide over what to do with the rest once they get it. However, I'm very excited about INX's fundraise and launch, but it is important to remember that the firm does not actually have a broker-dealer's license or ATS license yet. So they will need to go through that whole process as well, which as we've seen from T-Zero and many other players can take an incredibly long time to find approval. The fundraise does begin today, so you can go to token.inx.co to participate. You also can access their prospectus and many of their other investment documents there. And please make sure you do your research and start to read through this thing before you get involved. Wow, what, a, what an interesting, uh, thanks for that deep dive there, Kyle. Uh, definitely do your own research. Read that risk fact risk factors section, of course, uh, of that prospectus. But my takeaway here is that definitely seems like revenue tokens are, are a trend. Whether that's a, an exchange thing or you know a portal thing, as we've seen with the Republic notes, uh, or if this is you know a trend that we're going to see across the board across all asset types, I don't know. Uh, but uh, it is interesting how sort of, you know, the definition of operating cash flows versus top line revenue. There's a lot of these terms that will get thrown out around with this rising trend. So make sure you get a good understanding of what you're entitled to as an investor. Uh, and, you know, it's a best, better, better way to evaluate what the opportunity is, right? And keep listening to the Security Token Show. It's clearly going to be a month or a year from now or potentially even more until you see that first distribution but you better believe that we're gonna be breaking it down here and really looking into why they paid, what they paid out, and, and how we classify this revenue and analyze that all. So you're gonna get all of that here just in, in another 50 episodes. Now I know there was a big announcement as well, Kyle, in the market-wise. Let's get to that. Monday was quite a day for exchanges. Not only did we have our two companies of the week with INX with their public announcement, with Archax and their announcement, but we also got an announcement from T-Zero. And ladies and gentlemen, the time has finally arrived. T-Zero has officially listed its first independent asset issuer. From initial sale almost two years ago, we finally have liquidity for the St. Regis Aspen Resort. This is the first Tezo security token listed on a secondary exchange and the first asset listed on T-Zero's marketplace that is not part of the Overstock family. It joins OSTKO and TZROP tokens at the top of the market cap leaderboard, closing its first day of trading on Monday at $1.32 and a $23 million market cap. Just like with the other two tokens on T-Zero, retail investors are allowed to invest, leveraging the lesser known Rule 144 exemption that we covered in episode 32. Elevated Returns, which is the, the firm behind an ownership firm of the St. Regis, also noted that they intend to tokenize roughly one 
billion dollars worth of real estate projects in the future. So look out for other projects soon. Amazing. Which is a great segue into the the trading market. The market cap had its first cool-off week in what seems like months. We hit a high of 600 million last week and now we're down to the mid 500s, closing around 565 million on Monday. T0's token took the biggest bath after its extraordinary week last week, selling around $5. With Overstock staying almost exactly stagnant over the week, T0's drop in price shaved off some serious market cap this week, almost like 20 or 30 million. There wasn't really a ton of volume across the board for any assets this week, and real estate was also down a few points as well, resulting in a, a pretty poor week across the board, if we're being honest. However, it's great news from T0 as well with the listing of Aspen Coin going on their marketplace. So we're going to have to see how that affects the T0 token price. Remember, it sold at initial offering at $10 and hasn't seen that price since. So maybe Aspen could be that kick that it needs to finally offer the earliest investors a return on their investment. We're just going to have to see. But either way, you can check all of the live prices on stomarket.com. As we've mentioned before, we now have 21 live security tokens tracked and many more to come. Guess we shouldn't be too surprised with the leveling off uh, on the market there. I think you know, I actually called that on last week's show too. We'll have to see what blockbuster days happen this week though. Just maybe we kick right back above it uh, in no time. And, and of course, the more listings, the merrier there. It's really great to see the St. Regis uh, be listed on T0. And I think this could mean that the floodgates are opening up. Absolutely, man. You know that we're gonna be tracking it closely. The road to 1 billion market cap has begun. Always, uh, there is, you know, more and more tokens being added and specifically with the St. Regis today being a real estate security token, I figured we could take today's main topic to talk about the different types of real estate tokens one might start seeing in the near future. Real estate has historically been a strong asset class and home ownership was one of the best ways to build wealth for many families throughout history. But real estate is enormous and there are lots of different ways to get exposed to it. Yeah, it really is actually incredible uh, how many different ways real estate can be profitable. That's why I think it helps to really create a framework when it comes to evaluating real estate opportunities. So this framework I use consists of two layers. The first layer I use I call the instrument layer. Let's make some music, man. What kind of instruments are we playing? <laughs> well, I feel like we're making beautiful music with this show, dude. But uh, no, to be, to be real, I'm talking about financial instruments, of course. Uh, and think of it like what I'm buying into, right? So when it comes to real estate, I really see four different types of instruments to play with, if you like. So the first two are easy, debt and equity, right? Plain and simple, these two. Let's say we're going to build a uh, let's build a skyscraper here in the financial district of Miami, which is you know, it's called Brickle, by the way. And to do so, we'll probably need let's call it two hundred million dollars. So the way it works today is Kyle and I will go to all the real estate broker firms and banks directly because real estate is an antiquated industry that will be massively disrupted by tokenization, by the way. But anyway, Kyle and I shop around our deal as the lingo would go, and we'd raise a hundred million in debt, let's say, call it the construction loan. Loan, and another hundred million in equity, which is of course the ownership of the building, uh, which by the way, of course, helps pay off that hundred million dollar construction loan as we build our skyscraper. Now enter tokenization, which means the loan and equity can be financed via the crowd from around the world instead, creating a fairer and larger marketplace for real estate developers like Kyle and I. That's a great example, Herwig. The debt and equity, of course, are different instruments because they have their own investment profiles. 
Debt is less risky and typically focused around a stable year yield and a predetermined maturity rate, provided that we don't have construction delays. Equity, on the other hand, won't be harvested for a long time and is only really profitable when condo units are sold or when we have tenants paying rent. The land and building does appreciate in value, so there's also that appreciation, but to benefit from that, the debt doesn't have. But as we've seen in the legacy secondary markets, the lack of robust and developed trading markets results in a reality that the equity appreciation usually isn't realized for investors until a full sale of the building has occurred many years after the building is completed, something that tokenization can absolutely revolutionize. That's exactly right. Uh, real estate really, you know, it's going to get flipped on its head, I think, over the next five years as tokenization takes center stage. But getting back to it, now that we've gotten through two simple in instruments here, let's get a little advanced. The third type is a fund vehicle. Now, fund vehicles can come in all forms of shapes and sizes. And yet again, as you said, Kyle, have a different return profile as a result. Here you are becoming what is called a limited partner, which is the backer, the investor into the fund itself so that a manager can go out and deploy that capital on your behalf. And this means depending on the goals of the fund, AKA the real estate asset types it goes after, maybe the geography, the instrument types it goes after, the risk tolerance and the return targets, all of that is, you know, they're different parameters for each fund that you might need to consider. I'm also gonna jump in there and add that with this instrument, you're typically relying on historical return data to see the annual yield or growth of the fund by the managers to determine if it meets your investment profile, with the idea here being that you can get exposed passively through an actively managed portfolio of real estate deals that the fund is going after. It's a nice way to expose yourself to real estate without actually having to become the expert in the specific asset behind the debt or equity offering. Well put, Kyle, well put. So between those three instrument types, you can cover and expose yourself to really a lot of different types of real estate, pretty much all of it, which now let's get to that second layer, which is of course the asset layer. But before I jump to that, I will mention that, of course, that fourth type of instrument, which uh, purely could be really anything that, that uh, eventually will emerge as a result of tokenization, right? We were just talking about profit rights and things like that. That's not common in real estate, but perhaps we're gonna start seeing that a derivative potentially of another real estate asset, a blockchain lending protocol, all of these things that may not even have been imagined yet will come about because of security tokens. And so there, you know, don't, don't uh, keep in mind that there could be a fourth instrument type when you're kind of evaluating things if they don't fit into that equity, debt, or fund profile. Yeah, you have to assume that more instruments are going to be created in the future thanks to the flexibility that's offered by tokenization. But these three are the three main vehicles in a real estate asset or assets you're going to invest in from the legacy financial perspective. Right, right. So keeping things within the framework, we've got our layer one lens. When we see a real estate token, we need to figure out, is it a debt offering, an equity offering, a fund offering, or is it something else entirely? Once we've identified that, you can better evaluate the asset or the assets itself. And this is where real estate really, really becomes vast. You can, you know, you can identify single asset opportunities or start investing in multiple assets or portfolios of real estate as well, right? I think it really helps to look at the asset layer from a life cycle and sector perspective. 
So when you're comparing on a sector to sector level, it's actually pretty straightforward. We're talking about geography, the type of real estate, for example, whether it's commercial, residential, and each of those have specific categories as well. We've got office buildings, strip malls, hotels, and resorts, or on the residential side, there are the single or multifamily homes, condos, timeshares, and the list goes on. Each one of these asset types has different risks and return profiles that need to be compared with the context of which vehicle you're investing in. Okay, so I definitely think we can all wrap our heads around this, right? So we find a token, we see if it's typically either a debt equity or a fund offering, and then we identify what is it for, the location and actually underlying real estate type or types uh, in a multiple asset situation. So, so far so good, I think, but you, you mentioned this life cycle. What do, you, what do you mean by that? Right, so, so far so good, but this last component to consider is the lifestyle component. So going back to our skyscraper example, Real estate investors participate in returns in various stages of the life cycle of the business. For example, the construction loan might become refinanced and we may take out several more loans against the building along the way. Equity-wise, we as developers may sell the skyscraper to a big office firm or Fortune 500 or hotel chain, which by the way, typically doesn't happen directly. Those are usually funds or brokers that are involved in the middle that come in to assist with that process. Okay, so what you're saying is based on the life cycle of the asset, the risks and returns differ. So distributions may differ, equity appreciation, of course, differs at different stages. Obviously, a finished building with tenants is far less risky than a plot of land with nothing on it yet. So all of this needs to be accounted for definitely. A great way to look at it, Kyle. Absolutely. It would be no different than looking at a business and figuring out where in the life cycle that business is. But I also think that it may help our audience if we use a couple examples. So the St. Regis, which is a timely one because it just went live on T0, we can now look at first. So for example, the instrument type is equity and the asset type is commercial real estate, specifically a hotel in the region of Colorado, and it is completed structure. So immediately I can conclude that I would want to see the historical revenue and the previous sale history of the asset itself to get a good idea for the possible return profile. And then I might do some research on Colorado and Aspen land price appreciation to maybe scope out the competition as well in the area before I invest to make sure I'm comfortable with what I'm buying real estate wise. You need to consider the instrument as well as the underlying property and where it fits in. Definitely a great example uh, there. I think another one for realty tokens, right? Which there are almost 20 of them listed now. You'll find that it's the same deal. It's also equity. In this case, you get exposed to, to individual homes in Detroit, specifically though, section eight housing, which means the rent is partially guaranteed by the government, right? A nice risk detractor worth considering. Uh, maybe this hurts the possible return profile though, but if you're still happy with it, which for them, I, I still think it's sometimes double digit returns according to their historical data. So also a similar profile to, to Kyle's example, but the difference here is we have a government subsidized uh, entity. And then the fact is that we're also dealing with residential in Detroit, not commercial in Aspen. Also very different stories. And that's why I think that real estate is so exciting. Opening up investment access to geography, real estate type, portfolios, debt, all this hasn't been possible before and all of it can be tokenized and owned on a fractional level for drastically reduced minimum investment requirements. 
and it really is expensive. I mean, you can invest in lenders for mortgages. That's a debt instrument example, right? Or invest in an existing portfolio of assets via a fund. And funds can go buy more tokenized real estate. So now you're building on top of each other. So very soon it will be much easier for investors all around the world to develop a portfolio of real estate. They never have to go and visit the portfolio themselves physically. It can be exposed to dozens of sectors, regions, and instrument types, leading to, of course, a healthy real estate investment portfolio that is diverse. So honestly, if loving that is wrong, I don't wanna be right, Kyle. Absolutely, Herwig. I also recommend talking to friends or colleagues in real estate if you know any. By telling them your, real your return profile goals and your risk tolerance, they may be able to steer you towards a sector or instrument based on that. The real estate world is truly going to be transcended by security tokens in a whole new asset class, and I personally can't wait. And it's happening as we speak, folks, so hopefully this episode was helpful for you as you learned in detail the, the real estate process and helps you better understand how to evaluate potential token opportunities in real estate. As always, we're happy to answer any questions on this as well. If you want to reach out via Twitter or LinkedIn, you can find us there. Absolutely. And also please join the rest of the community on stomarket.com slash news. That's where we submit everything we find. We discuss the news and other security token topics. You can also find all of our main topic segments of the security token show on YouTube. And we also have tons of great media and content for you over at the security token group medium blog. So with that, I want to thank you wonderful listeners for joining us on another episode. And I hope to catch you next week. Mm -hmm.